Okay, and welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Our topic today is called Trusting Your Gut versus KPIs. So, really interesting discussion as to when would you need to use KPIs or how do you trust that compared to your experience and trusting your own gut from based off your experience in the industry. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. We've got uh, three very, very experienced people today to help with us with the discussion and also ask some questions. So we've got Johan from uh, Massive Entertainment, who is a senior Quest producer. We've got Sebastian from Wooga, who is the vice president of New Games. And we've got Risto, who's a design director at Skyplay as well. So we'll go around and do some introductions first, and then we'll go into the questions. So first of all, Sebastian, please could you give us your introduction? Yes, Andy, thank you very much. Um, as you said, my name is Sebastian. Uh, I'm based in, in Berlin, Vuga. I've been with the company almost from the start, so like over 13 years. And uh, literally, I've been building games there from the start. Um, what you could call maybe like a game director, uh, really setting up you know, the game vision and the team and building that um, and heavily really focusing on, on story driven, uh, which is maybe kind of like usual in the games market, but not so usual in the free to play market where we are in. Uh, so we've been pushing for that quite a bit, trying really to have really exciting stories, characters, and just having as much soul into these games as possible. And um, yeah, I've been doing this for, for the last 13 years, um, building, you know, also the biggest hits with, of course, fantastic teams, um, biggest one called June's Journey. And um, today I'm uh, being responsible for you know, the new games, helping them to make the right calls and you know, guiding them hopefully to the next hit. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Sebastian. Uh, Johan, please can you give us your introduction? Hello. Um, so yes, my name is Johan. Uh, very nice to be here. Uh, I have been at Massive for half of my life um, uh, since 2001, uh, full-time since 2005. Um, so I've been through the, the journey that the company has taken from a very, very small studio to uh, the, the quite large one we are today. Um, I started in, uh, as a QA tester, uh, went on the production track. Um, so I've uh, been working with quite a, a, a broad uh, uh, variety of, of different teams uh, throughout the years uh, and uh, uh, for example worked on running conflict for those of you who know who that is in which game that is our, our little baby uh, the division Far Cry 3 uh, fantastic thank you very much and lastly Risto let's come to you hello I'm Risto so I'm the design director at Cyplay Finland at this moment um, wonderful to be here with all of you. Awesome listening to like this very storied past and super epic games. I'm a huge fan of these fine gentlemen here. 
And as for myself, um, I'm a game industry veteran and entrepreneur, and entrepreneur also in other fields historically over a fairly uh, long period of time. And I have been moving quite a bit through different companies compared to the fine gentleman on this call, but that I believe has endowed me with some pretty interesting experiences also. I do believe I have seen probably every possible way to fail and every possible way to make successes. So it's an interesting experience and the journey, I believe, started at a very, very young age as a hobbyist modding background person who gradually found themselves in the industry uh, as a fairly confused youth and grew up into a fairly confused design director. So here we are. Perfect. Thank you very much, Risto, and thank you everyone for your introductions. Uh, so yeah, like I said, the topic that we're going to be talking about is called trusting your gut versus KPIs. So we've got a couple of questions to go around and try and explore that topic and what that really means. So Sebastian, you're going to kick us off with the first question. So over to you. Yeah, very thankful to to discuss this topic. Has been has been you know occupying my mind for a long time. <laughs> and the first question that I have is actually, how do you get or how do you develop a gut feeling? You know, is it based on experience? Is it something that gets better over the years? Are you born with it? And I was just thinking about Risto saying, you know, there's a lot of failures and successes. And that might already give us a hint. But, you know, guys, what do you think about uh, how do you develop a gut feeling? That's a great question. I was actually just uh, at the studio talking about this with a colleague of mine a few days ago. And we talk about intuition, but ultimately it's kind of like a, I, I often feel it's a magic word for something that's a little bit too complex to break out in terms. I do think it's ultimately the sum of your experiences both hands-on as a gamer, as a developer, um, as potentially uh, whatever roles they are that we carry, uh, producers, designers, artists. Uh, it's it's a great sum of different things. And all of our past experience, I do believe it informs all of the experiences that we witness in one way or another. We see the world through a very subjective lens and there's so much information that we're parsing at every possible second and it's our brain that just needs a simple filter for how am I going to interpret this, how am I going to feel about this and instead of giving you that absolutely gigantic pile of information, this is why you should think this, it just gives you the gut feeling like ooh I don't like it, ooh this is awesome, one or the other. Yeah that's that's really interesting, um, you know, and, and looking back at what you just said, like uh, some things that we learn over the years right where you see a sad face and then you immediately know okay i know how to handle this but then if you then really talk about like a game pitch for example for a new game which consists of so many different parts this is still amazing to me how you can use your gut feeling there how do you develop it while this is such a complex thing right consisting of so many multiple parts so yeah, just curious here to hear what you're thinking about that. Yeah, I, I think uh, Risto uh, really puts it very beautifully, uh, poetically in a way. Uh, we talked about you should go into a career as a narrator earlier before we started this call. So, um, uh, but it, it is a very, very interesting topic. And I think for me, it's, it's also about uh, being able to see the other side of development. Uh, you know, both of both of you, Aristotle and Sebastian, you mentioned the the complexity that we very often face uh, as we develop games. 
And I think what really comes with experience is that you have either worked directly with uh, different teams and, and uh, uh, developers, but also being, you know, the requester or the receiver of different things and, and knowing what you actually ask for or what is asked of you. I think also it's, it's a lot with the gut feeling to, to sort of already know, okay, I'm asking for this, this means, this amounts to this, this amount of, of, of things at, at the end of the road, um, because it can be very easy to go, oh, just do this. It's quick, right? Um, if you don't know the entire chain and it's very, very hard sometimes for one person to know that, right? So it's that gut feeling telling it's like, oh, wait, there's probably something else probably something more there's probably something hidden underneath the gut feeling reaction it usually goes one of two ways i think for um most of us it's quite rare that the gut doesn't tell you anything you usually get either excited about something or then you feel like this cannot work this is just a horrible idea and i'm not sure where the horrible idea comes from maybe that's more about the experiences but i do think I was just listening to you there and it fed this idea into my head that I think usually what people tend to get excited about is how an idea feeds their own imagination. If if they see an idea or a concept or a notion, uh, if it's too fleshed out, it's too specific, the vision is too clean, then they view it more as a uh, like a, a critic. They're looking at it and thinking, maybe that part could be a little bit different, maybe this is something else. But if it's something that has just enough open-endedness to it that people with the type of experience that we gain over our years, they look at it and then they can start uh, projecting their own thoughts into it, using it as almost like a platform for their own imagination. I think that's where a lot of that excitement often comes from the gut feeling because people do tend to like ideas that they feel are their own. <laughs> and this is like a psychological constant in, in so many ways. So maybe an idea that offers an opportunity for this, that people can feel like some sort of uh, indirect ownership over, hey, this is super cool and it's giving me a lot of inspiration and I'm getting excited about that. Yeah, very good point. One observation that I had for myself was that um, it just, for me, it took many, many years to understand that this gut feeling is just really developing, also based on, as you said it earlier, Risto, the, the successes and failures that also I specifically had in the past when, when we talk about, you know, design pitches or decisions or even games that you should build or you shouldn't build as a company. That uh, then when you look back 10 or 20 years and you're like, hmm, now I finally understand why my gut feeling is telling me this because, you know, usually when I had a good feeling and it got stronger over the years, I was right or I was wrong. Um, so that's how I tried to um, scale it and kind of like align it with, with, with let's say, a more theoretical thinking <laughs> because, you know, I was really wondering, well, what's going on here, right? Why do I have this gut feeling? Yeah. That's a great point. And the gut feeling, it, it is always parsing a larger amount of information than what we deliberately look at at any given time. If it's a set of data, we're only evaluating one aspect of it at a time, and we can try to be as objective as possible, but that means we might be ignoring a lot of the other information that we would normally add into that equation if we are uh, thinking about the gut feeling type of reaction. 
and yeah i think it's it's very similar to like uh i know not to put my hand near red stove for example type of thing you've done something stupid enough many times for example that's the type of experience that can teach you to go away or like move away from some like things that are warning signs and usually the warning signs they're more than just like the individual parts it's more than the sum of its parts and you just have to like learn to intuitively parse a lot of that information as you see these pieces come together oh i've been down this road before this is where it went but that's i think also where the challenge comes because uh the game industry is kind of like a place where uh the truth of any fact can change pretty much on a weekly basis so what might have been a success a year ago would not succeed today and if you copy an exact perfect of uh, wonderful execution from another game it's not necessarily going to work for yours so there's a lot of interpretation that you have to do pretty much on a daily basis in order to keep up with whatever the data and the gut is telling you at that same point yeah very good point yeah it is a, it's it's a very good point especially it adds into that complexity aspect of it right because you might have like oh this is very similar but then you have this other factor coming in from the side and suddenly it turns it all around and your gut might tell you, oh yeah, this is this is the solution. This is how we should do it. And then, oh wait, we have this other thing now to consider that we didn't in the past. So then I might have to completely look at it in a different light and come in from a different angle. It's a really good point. And the complexity, I think, is is often the hard part to grasp about that gut feeling. And maybe it's part of like muscle memory in a way that there's just so much different like signals that you're interpreting that if someone asked you to describe your learnings over the last 20 years, it would be very difficult for us to create that list of the different things that we have learned, both uh, in the positive and negative sense. So, uh, but we do intuitively remember a lot of this stuff. And then when we see things that our experience allows us to lean on and inform ourselves with, instead of overwhelming you with the information of this is why you're thinking like this, it comes back down to that like visceral primitive type of reaction. True. And I also think that when, you know, when we talk about these bigger changes that we have in the industry and the trends and everything, still your gut will tell you when you try to reinvent yourself or your thinking will will still have in the smaller steps to make the right calls to maybe then you know advance and form your new gut feeling um so that's that's i think how i would see it <laughs> yeah sebastian you also asked if you're born with gut feeling like as a yeah. part of the question yeah. so what do you think about that do you feel that people start on like different levels or is it just because they've had different experiences before they start applying what we call gut feeling? I really don't have a good answer to this. I was just very curious to, to exchange on that question. I was, uh, you know, also talking to, to an artist uh, many years ago and this artist said, you know, no one's born as an artist. You have to really work hard and then you could become an artist, right? So there's some kind of like wrong thinking that we have once in a while. Uh, in regards of how to become something. So um, I, I, I actually think, I guess you're not, you're not born with a gut feeling. You develop it. That would be my take, but I'm curious how you guys see it. I, I was going to to uh, say something and then I thought about it for two seconds and I realized, oh, wait, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I, I think... Your gut told you. The story of my life. <laughs> yes, so my gut feeling told me. Yes, exactly. But I think, I mean, the, the, the gut feeling comes from different things as a base, right? And and I think, so at first I was like, well, maybe it is 
you you are as a person you might be more practical you might be more dreamy you might be be uh you know always trying to 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 overachieve um but then i also realized those traits might also be something that is developed over time so you're not necessarily born as a practical person uh, but it's rather the the environment you grew up in and and uh, all the experience that you have that and you become that right and uh, of course as a producer <laughs> usually more practical than than dreamy but yes and uh, so but of course that very much affects my gut feel mm. personally i do believe in some level of natural inclination when it comes to things like gut feeling because that's essentially it's a cognitive talent in a way and sometimes even if it's a little bit harsh everyone can develop everything but it's difficult of uh, to become a painter if you're blind it's it's difficult to be a good composer if you're tone deaf for example so there are many ways in which some people are naturally maybe better at, at a better predisposition to leverage and learn certain things and as far as the gut feeling especially in our industry's context how that develops um i might go as far as suggesting that perhaps the susceptibility to developing a good uh reliable gut feeling it depends on the type of character you are and whether that character of yours has the quality to always and inherently reflect on their own experiences because whatever happens a, a lot of people they they push it away oh damn that hurt me you know uh that that was bad you know i messed up you know i got to do something else i'm going to punish myself for that and some people they succeed and they're like yeah i'm so smart you know i i made it big but um i think it's very un uh, good if you have a habit of reflecting on those experiences why did i fail why did i succeed what might i be able to do better and why did it fail uh, all of these type of questions and just becoming natural with that routine maybe a way to uh, intuit more of that gut feel yeah that's a very very inspiring thought uh, very cool so what does the gut tell us what is it andy <laughs> <laughs> It is, a, it is a really good question. Where you said around based on experience, I was going to actually, I was thinking along the lines, you sort of answered it, but I was thinking along the lines of how many times do you reckon you would have to go through an experience before you develop that gut? Like, it, could you put a, that gut feeling, could you put a sort of number on it, like a certain amount of times? Or then Risto was just going on there and I was thinking like, well, maybe it depends on the type of person you are. If you learn very quickly, like of that first time, you'll, quickly go no I've done this before it doesn't work or maybe it takes you a couple of different times and you've got to learn it so w what would you say is it especially in your guys own experience like are you quick quick to develop that in, in your past experience or does it take you a while uh, I would say for for my own part I think it, it depends a bit on 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 the situation and I think uh, certain um uh, certain projects and, and certain positions uh, and certain teams that I that I've worked with uh, have had a bigger impact on me, um, uh, you know, and, and I'm not really sure if it depends on, on that specific challenge that I had with, in one situation, uh, or maybe if I was more personally invested, uh, mm. uh, with, the, with the specific thing I was working on, uh, because I, it was maybe more personally fulfilling, uh, to actually solve these, these challenges that we had at the time. That's a really good point. Actually, do you reckon that you do get a greater gut feeling or less of a gut feeling the more 
or less personal involvement that you have in either a project or or whatever it may be yeah i think at least for me uh, it it does uh, in a bit because because uh it's like if the more personally invested i am the, the more willing i am to sort of solve it and also see the the actual problems and try to mm. try to solve it and that will develop then my gut feeling for the future i think that's really really good um you know i think the, the more you know why you do a thing and and the better you can develop your gut feeling right the better you understand why you are successful why you failed why you haven't finished it on time why you finished it on time so the why behind it and and i think that's why it's also so important for for any you know leader or manager to really get the team behind why you do it um to hopefully also then get this feeling right and if the gut feeling is essentially a synonym for a very certain type of talent in my experience the most important components of who is a talented artist who is a talented musician or a talented chef uh i think motivation and interest we get good at the things we care about and just as you johan mentioned your personal investment into something helps you pay attention it helps you get more out of everything that you're doing because you really do care you pay attention to those little details and that helps you learn um i didn't start out as a good artist i, I still ain't but uh, <laughs> i'm better than i was when i was a baby but the thing is uh even in the absence of almost any artistic talent you care enough about something to do it enough pay enough attention to actually pick up on what is important about it and perhaps the gut feeling works in a similar way in some ways it was a really really good question to start with uh sebastian so thank you very much for that and obviously the input as well from risto and johan so it's a really good place to start so that was around how do you develop a gut feeling and we'll come back later on to um what will be risto's question around what does that tell you but we're going to break a little bit from that and go on to the kpi side of stuff from johan's question so johan please could you give us yours yeah so uh my question is, is uh, a bit maybe turning it around um <laughs> So uh, how do you know when you can trust your KPIs and the data they're based on? Good question. Great question. Who wants to start with that, Sebastian or Risto? Oh, this is a scary one. I'm going to pass it on to Sebastian. <laughs> oh, Sebastian, he stitched you up. <laughs> um, so how can you, how do you know when you trust your KPIs and the data they're based on? Um, I mean, for me personally, it's always a mix of um, data, uh, which, uh, you know, informs also, I guess, my gut. Um, but then there's still my gut feeling that I developed over the years. And, you know, in the worst case, both have a different opinion. And that's when it gets really interesting. <laughs> it's really easy when, uh, you know, I have I have data to make a decision and that's aligned with my trust and my 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 gut feeling that's that's pretty easy but the interesting part is you know what happens when when they're not aligned um and um i think that's where i am and i think that's that's kind of like i think most of the the most difficult situations and decisions in my career uh have been have been um specifically in, in the, those situations where i'm like hey so what should we do, right? I mean, there's data can tell you a lot, but also to a certain limit. You have to, of course, read it right, and you have to understand it. But still, there's something where kind of like oh, it's difficult to describe. Where like the, maybe if you talk about, I'm often you know in, in game pitches and stuff like that, where I would say, okay, you know, the data tells us to do this, but um, 
the, the, the soul of the game or the, the magic tells me to go the total other way. And that's where my gut feeling is, right? And and I'm like, so do, do we need to innovate, for example, here? Then maybe we should listen more to my gut feeling or do we want to kind of like go the safe route and then go where the data is and, and kind of like deliver what the audience wants, but maybe the audience want something else they just don't know it yet so this is the this is the part where i'm in and you see already from me trying to describe it that <laughs> i'm getting lost here a bit um in the end i would then really get um you know people in the room few people that i trust um bounce my ideas my worries my thoughts with them and make a call together to see you know is my gut right or not? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good, uh, very good point. Um, and they are very connected, right? Uh, I think that's, that's the, the gist of it. So, but, uh, uh, it's also a good point, especially, you know, when you mentioned the game pitches, uh, uh, where like the, at least the, the vast majority of games that, that we would do have this magical component called fun. How do you measure fun? What's, what's the, the KPIs for fun? Especially when it means a different thing to everyone. Yes, to some exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly that. That's that's uh, the point I was getting to, right? Where where it's like, you can innovation. Sure, it's it can also be be hard, but but there is a lot of things in in a game where you can actually measure a lot. But the, the core, at least for me, in a game, it, that it should be fun, it should be enjoyable, it should be interesting. And not only is it really really hard to measure, but it also means different things for different people, and that's where you really need that gut your your gut and other people's guts all the guts uh <laughs> to to sort of help each other uh try to to come up with okay what we you know where are we going what are we doing uh what are we trying to achieve yeah and then you have those fun situations right where you're like hey someone presents a game pitch and and you have all the data there and then sebastian says but where's the magic where's the soul and everyone's like, Sebastian, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Like, how do you know when you can trust those KPIs, that data? And I think it's a question that none of us can ever answer perfectly. Because if one of us could, there would never be a game company with sufficient analytics that would ever fail at delivering a perfect product. So ultimately... Um, may, uh, I don't mean to sound cynical, perhaps uh, rather take it from the exact opposite point of view. Think about it as an optimism in the creativity and ingenuity of the human being. I don't believe we can ever fully trust any data or KPI we see in this sense. But I do think, especially when it aligns with your gut feeling, it's about a higher probability of being on the right track. That is what it can inform you about. It cannot tell you what to do. It cannot tell you exactly what is right or wrong in most cases, but it can inform you if you're moving in the general correct direction. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm always searching for that alignment between the data and the gut. And naturally, we have many data points, but we're never going to be looking at as many data points as what our gut is looking at at any given time. So, there's always the questions if we're generally if especially if there's a conflict i don't feel good about this but the data looks good or vice versa then the question is are we measuring the right thing and are we looking at the right numbers or are we interpreting it the right way i'm more likely to start asking those questions than maybe questioning the gut as a first reaction johan is there is there an element of um obviously you've got to set the 
the right KPIs, which you know are targets that are achievable, but you've got to have a, a sort of a gut feeling towards what is achievable based on your experience. Like to set ridiculous targets, you're never going to hit them and your KPIs would look horrendous. Um, you know, but you, you've got to develop that gut feeling as to what we can achieve, what we've got with all the resources and things. And then whether you achieve it or not, that's how you suppose you've trusted that you can do that based off your gut feeling. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, I, I, I think, I mean, s setting realistic goals from, from the start is, uh, I think it's a very common uh, problem. Uh, you know, you might, you want to shoot for the moon. Um, but you might just end up in the top floor of the building next to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's also part of, of, of developing a game because you don't really know where the path will take you. Uh, so in a way, in the very start, not having ambitious goals might hamper the, the, the creative process at the same time, pushing constantly for, uh, non-achievable goals that's uh it puts a lot of pressure on the on uh on all of the developers on the team um so it's it's finding that balance of course is is very important but it, it is i mean game development to me it is also dreaming in a way right we we want to we want to innovate we want to to always push the boundaries um so then you might have to try uh and and see where it lands who was it that said, shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you will land among the stars. So it's a uh, little bit yeah. of a dreamy, dreamy quote in that <laughs> sense. But in many ways, yeah, I do believe also much in the same way, you know, dreaming big, going for those big targets. But that requires a lot of good positive attitude because you need to understand that, you know, not everything is achievable. You can't get disappointed, but it's about the excitement of going for something. That's a, that's a very good question also, Andy, to add to that. Would, um, Sebastian, what you were saying earlier as well around like if a team was following a load of data and a load of KPIs, but then you come in and be like, where's the magic? Would you value a gut feeling of a very experienced um, you know, person in a company over KPIs more, or would you place more value on KPIs? Or is it, it obviously it's a balance, but you can't go one way or the other completely what would you place a higher value on? I think the magic comes from the confrontation and the conflict, right? Between these two powers, so to say. Um, I've made observations where you would have a small team uh, developing a game pitch, um, very analytical, very data-driven. And it would come out very different to a, maybe a game team that would consist of very creative, very pushy people. And I'm not saying the one or the other is better. Um, I'll say both would lack a certain degree of spice and kind of like balance, as you just said it. So I think you want to start at the very beginning from one angle, of course, right? Um, you want to have the very creative power, you want to have the very analytical power, but it needs to go in confrontation with the other side to, to get the best out of it. And I think if you then have a team that can align on it, and has no ego problems and can really deliver on it, then I think you can have something very magical. That's a really good point. I was just thinking about that because also not all KPIs are created equal in a, in a way that there are 
decisions that I think are much better when they're gut-led. For example, what creates the soul of the game? You know, what is that fun experience that you're ultimately hunting for? What's the dream that you want to sell to the player? And then there are things that are very much better being data-led. Uh, something like a complex free-to-play economy involving 15 different resources and their permutations. That is really difficult to intuit. So generally, it pays just to look at the numbers. Where are you getting shortages? Is there an inflation somewhere there? Do you need to slash the economy? You know, that type yeah, of stuff. Exactly. And I think you will fail if you don't respect the gut feeling and if you don't respect the data, right? So so you really, you need to understand that, that you need both and, and do the best out of it. 100%. Yeah. And also that, that balance that you talk about, right? Uh, like in... For me, I often see the you know cre creation, uh, the the creative parts of a project, and like the more production focused, like having having a balance and an understanding between the two, uh, is is really really important to go yeah. forward. And I think this describes really a strong team as well, right? If if you observe this in a team, I think it's a very strong team. Uh, you know, one example, you would have a writer. Uh, being responsible for dialogues, but this person really also gets the data and the, the decision behind this and thinks that way and also crafts the story in that way. And I think that's something where you then can really go the extra step and, and be better than other games, right? Well, you're on really, really good question um, to, to flip it to the KPI side of stuff and some really good discussion as well. So thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll come back to the gut side of things from Risto now then. So Go on then, Risto, give us your question. So let's get back to basics. My question would be about mm -hmm. what is it exactly that the gut tells you? So it's a very broad question, but to expand on that a little bit, it's about the information that we're parsing. What components are there? What does it consist of? Uh, what knowledge is it based on? And uh, how does it differ from the knowledge that a KPI can tell you? And how can you leverage that gut to make sense of those KPIs? Really good question. Who wants to come in first on that? Johan or Sebastian? Well, I'll tell you what, Sebastian went first last time. Johan, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to stitch you up the other way. <laughs> Go on. Uh, um, it's, again, I mean, it's a very, very good question. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I mean, it, 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 to me, it comes back a bit to what we touched about before with, with, with the experience. Uh, I think at least for me, my gut is stronger when, where I have a, a previous connection to both both the, the 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 KPIs in question and actually have experienced the thing it goes and and uh, I think where my gut might falter is when I don't have enough information uh, or uh, enough knowledge about what the the, the KPI is based on. Uh, I'm not sure if it actually has a serious well, question. So 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 yo and on that situation then so say. You know, you are really invested in something and you've got a strong gut feeling to go in one direction, but all the KPIs are, are leaning towards another direction or all the data is leaning towards mm -hmm. another direction. Then how would you explain that to to somebody else to say, like, listen, I just have this feeling that we need to go in this direction. Like, what would be your sort of explanation to that and, and how would you leverage that? Yeah, I think that then I would uh, go... And actually, you know, look at the, the the data that's coming in to see mm -hmm. what is it based on. Is it covering all those bases? Because my gut will probably tell me there's something missing. 
Mm. Uh, and and like there there's one one factor one component that is not there and taken into consideration, uh, or the the tracking might be a bit off in the end actually how how you present the data um, because different different developers and different teams and different products might uh, might not always measure things exactly the same uh, like we. You know, in, in the industry, people move it around a lot, which is great because they get experience from from different. Uh, uh, they have different backgrounds, but they also bring, you know, uh, the, the the thinking from from uh, different studios and countries uh, and schools, which is great. But sometimes it, it might not always align uh, yeah. with with how others uh, see it. That's actually really interesting that you said around your gut would tell you that something's missing in the data. And it, my mind immediately jumped, this is well off topic around not not in games. Has anyone seen the film Sully, where Captain Sully lands the, the plane no. on the Hudson River? No. He, Waiting to see that. It's a great film. He, there's a point in the trial where all of these pilots test the same situation in a simulator and they all manage to get back to the airport and they say there was no need for you to, to land on the, uh, on the water and put everyone's lives in danger. And they were going over this for days and he, he had this gut feeling that something was wrong and then it hit him, like you just said there, Jorn, which is why it made me think of it, that um, there was something wrong in those tests and it was the fact that all the pilots had gone into those simulations knowing what was about to happen so they didn't account for the reaction time, a couple of seconds of like, oh, what do we do now? And then that was split seconds enough that they couldn't have made it to the, to the airport and the plane ended up crashing when the pilots went into the simulation blind. So it, very, very, I know that was a bit of a long-winded like off topic, but very sort of interesting that you said, yeah, go back to the data because something, you, you've got that feeling that something's missing there. That's that's actually, you know, when I uh, previously, when I mentioned the, the path, right, you never <laughs> really know how the path will look. That's basically it, right? There is there is a, a lot of unknown factors when, when you're developing games, especially in longer projects because the industry will change as well. So you have to, I'd have to catch up uh, or it's just, like, uh, maybe I'm, I'm going a bit off topic, but uh, uh, I have in the past uh, sort of said, if you're, if you're working in, in normal jobs and you're doing a machine, you put in A, you're supposed to get out B. If you get out C, it's wrong. In games, you put in A, and then you're supposed to have fun along the way, and you could get out dead, and it's not necessarily wrong. So this unknown uh, factor makes it very, very complex. Nice. I also love the way, Andy, you uh, communicated that question about, like, where is this coming from? Like, you're trying to describe to some other person why you feel a certain way. Why do I feel like this? And it occurs to me that that is actually at the core of what design is as uh, an occupation in so many ways, because largely I feel my job when I work in design, it's about communicating a lot of these things that I intuitively feel. Uh, whereas someone would be able to say, no, I don't think we should do that, or I think this is going to be fun. Um, design work is often about communicating that gut feeling. It's about articulating that thing and breaking it down into little pieces and showing people, this is why I think like that. Here's another reason, and here's the logic for why I feel this way. So I think it's about a lot of like self-reflection and introspection becoming very self-aware about how we feel about these things and design teaches that practice but it's certainly something that once again going back to the very first question 
there is a lot of experience that goes into that and a lot of self-reflection that supports it. Sebastian, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, your question was to how you develop that gut feeling from, you know, whether it be experience or an early age or what have you, to how do you use it? What what does it tell you? Yeah, what does it tell me? I, I always link it with imagination quite a bit, right? So for me, it's always what could be, right? So when I'm, I'm reading a sentence, I'm seeing a piece of art, I, I read a design paper, I see a feature design, whatever. My first reaction is the gut feeling. And, and it's kind of like the imagination that I see this and I'm able to imagine how it could be as a finished product, right? And and I think the trick is that over the years you deliver, have developed that skill. And I think, you know, with what has been said today, I think it pays into that, um, that you're able to maybe read four sentences and you're like, okay, I can envision this game, right? I can, I can play it now in my mind. I think it makes sense. Let's continue. These four sentences make sense already. Let's continue. And um, I think that's um, that's the trick. Um, and that's what, what's telling me. It's the imagination, what could be. Really good point. Really great question as well, um, Risto. Any, anyone have got any other thoughts or points on that before we... Uh, I'm going to ask a little bonus question here at the end, which... Uh, I've not I've not told you about, but any other questions on the topic of trusting your gut versus KPIs or any other comments? Oh, I just love to say that I love how Sebastian you took it back kind of like to the beginning about filling in the blanks using your imagination, mm. because ultimately that is exactly the type of like experience that we were talking about. Where does the gut take you? And it, it it's about using that imagination, projecting how your own feelings on whatever it is that you see and and growing from that. So. I think that's that's really love to see this come like a full circle at this point. Perfect. Well, um, Risto, thank you very much for the question as well and for, for the insight of everyone. Um, my question that I want to ask, obviously, this is uh, a gaming podcast. What is the game that everyone's playing at the minute or what is everyone's favorite game? Um, so, Sebastian, let's come to you first. What, what's your favorite game and what's the, the game you're playing at the minute? We'll go sort of a two-parter. Okay, uh, so the game I'm currently playing, um, uh, I'm always playing games that kind of like fit my daily routine. Uh, I'm playing Division 2 right now, still, since a long time, uh, because, um, you know, with my grumpy Berlin neighbor, I can play and we can have one hour, a lot of fun. And yeah, so that's what I'm still currently playing. Um, And my favorite game, I guess I would have to go back in time. to the Amiga 500 Starflight 2. It's a um, very, very old game. It's about um, space exploration. Uh, and um, yeah, just love that. Love the story behind it. Love the mechanics. Very good game, Starflight 2. Fantastic. Nice. Ristoff, what about yourself? Oh, the latest game that I've been playing has been Control from Remedy. So I've quite a bit enjoyed that. It's a beautiful visual experience and and chill enough that you can actually enjoy it even when your reflexes are starting to get a little bit crampy. Um, And as for my all-time favorite game, well, that's one of the hardest possible questions you could ever pose a developer. So uh, I could give you a million second best games, but to give the best one, never in a million years, but Mountain Blade does come to mind. Uh, Classic... Uh, RPG adventure strategy game all bundled into one. It's like the best parts from all of these, and it shouldn't work. And especially the original, it's clunky, but somehow it just comes together in like this perfect storm. And I do think 
I've like disappeared probably thousands of hours into that. <laughs> Good stuff. Johan, nice, nice. let's come to you. Uh, well, first of all, uh, uh, just uh, thank you, Sebastian, for playing Division 2. Uh, <laughs> I, I love to hear it. Um, uh, so, uh, currently, I'm playing uh, a Plague's Tale Requiem. Um, uh, I try to play a lot, so I have a long list. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's it's actually a very, very nice game. Um, uh and all-time favorite that's i'm very much on Risto's pitch i i could not it would be you know i could tell you top 50 right but <laughs> uh if i think of the games that i sort of go back to and think of how they have influenced me as a person um probably monkey island uh uh morrowind esx one and masters <laughs> of magic if you remember that, which is an amazing civilization slash here's some mighty magic sort Such of Such a classic. Yes. Beautiful. It's a beautiful list. Beautiful list. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah. Well, thank you very much to all of you. Uh, that concludes the podcast for today. Some obviously really, really good questions, a great topic and uh, a great bit of input from everybody. So I'll take this opportunity to thank Sebastian, Risto and Johan for all your input. Uh, and for being a guest on Evolution Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.